uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast, the final episode of the year. This is the New Year's episode. We are going to do a best of recap. Basically... All the best bits compiled into the one episode. Um, I just want to thank everyone who's listened so far on the pod. I know there's people that might have only listened to one episode or there's people who have listened to all 20 or so. And I just want to say thanks to anyone who's tuned in this year. We're only a few days out from New Year's Eve, which is very, very exciting. Um, Doing this thing has been, and I've said it a few times on this podcast, the best part of my week. But uh, we've got plenty of episodes coming in the new year. But, yeah, I just want to say thanks to you guys for, for tuning in each week, every Wednesday. And uh, it's, it's been a great time. But if you've been here from the start, you will remember that it all started in a car park in Terrigal. It was the very first interview that I did with, with Lindsay from Friends of Rom. And... Uh, I didn't really know where I was going with this thing, what I was doing. All I knew is I just wanted to start something, start talking music, and have a good old chat. It's great to have you here in the car at the at the yeah. surf club Thank you. Uh, on the podcast. This is, because are you going to do all of your interviews now in cars well, and think, in well, car parks? If this comes out okay, then I think I might actually, <laughs> actually do that. Something about it. Yeah, it was the only interview that I ended up doing in a car for the whole year, but it was a great chat that I had with Lindsay, and uh, we spoke about sobriety, and uh, Lindsay is in a punk band, so, you know, look, if you're in a punk band, you party a lot, you drink a lot, you do everything else, but Lindsay decided a little later in life that it was time to give up the drink. I definitely feel like I get less anxiety at the end of a weekend which is nice, you know, like going back to work kind of feeling. And what was your poison? Um, well, I was telling this friend, a friend this story, actually. So we would, uh, it was my wife's birthday, she's in her mid-30s, um, and uh, a couple of years ago, in her early to mid-30s, I uh, bought her, for her birthday, 34 bottles of whiskey. Nice. That was our, that was our, my birthday present for her, and this is in the, the year of lockdown where this made very much sense. <sighs> and so, yeah, just, just drinking a uh, just straight whiskey on ice is the best. I think that's also, you don't get too many hangovers if you're just drinking straight whiskey yeah. on ice, cause, unless you obviously um, drink a whole bottle. But there was a time when Lindsay and the band enjoyed a drink, and it was during their breakthrough album, A Man's Not a Camel, when they headed over to the US and had a drink at the American producer's house and got Australian drunk. We were recording um, A Man's Not a Camel in America, in uh, in Redondo Beach, and uh, our uh, producer, Eddie Ashworth, amazing producer, he produced a couple of our albums, beautiful man, and he was so... We, 
he'd never met us. We, we'd never met him. We'd done half the record in Australia and he invited us, you know, we did the other half in America. He invites us to his family home and uh, his wife's there and it's also very American, very sort of, uh, you know, middle class, very middle American. Um, and uh, it was all, they uh, they had, he knew about us because he did seen us in Australia. So he made sure he had an esky full of beer or a cooler, a cooler full of beer for us. <laughs> And before they'd even served the the, uh, the actual dinner, I think we'd finished the, the cooler of beer, and he, so he got the other beer out of the you know the fridge. Okay, we have this, whatever, you know, wines or whatever. And at one point, there was just no alcohol left except there was a fancy bottle of whiskey. Oh, and no. He's like, well, I, I guess you guys could have have this, and uh, you know, takes it down off the shelf and you know, rips off the fancy thing and opens the cork, <laughs> whatever, and pours it in to some glasses, and then. Uh, our uh, drummer Gordy gets some Diet Pepsi and pours it in it oh. to mix it because <laughs> we are dickhead Australians. And the tales of drinking didn't end there. A week later, I caught up with my friend Mark Gable from Choir Boys heading over to his place in Hardy's Bay. And we were having a chat about songwriting and the recording process. And he explained that the only way that they could get the best out of them on the day back in the 80s for Talk Big was to get drunk and naked. We wanted to get a vibe happening. We couldn't get it right, so we tried it drunk and nude. So what you hear is talk right. big on that album. We're drunk <laughs> and nude. That is great. I love that story. So uh, just the band nude or the producers too? No, 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 no. No, no just no, the band. No, no not, the, not the producer. That was um, <laughs> Jim Manzi from Old 55. Yeah. And so. what were you drinking? Do you remember? Beer? Back? Yeah, on the beers. You, okay. When you're in there and you're recording and then you're like, oh, this doesn't sound right, this doesn't sound at the tempo or whatever, it doesn't sound yeah. right. Who's the one that says, um, you know what we should do? Get naked. That would have been mine. <laughs> and it would have been mine to drink the beer as well, even yeah. though I wasn't a big drinker at all then. And when you're talking to someone such as Mark Gable of Choir Boys, you've got to talk to him about the big hits. In particular, Run to Paradise. But I do remember having a cassette player being down at Collaroy and walking past the scout hall there. This is when we lived, still lived on the northern beaches and listening to the chorus, right? You know, you don't want... I'm going, that's a hit. That's all I had was chorus, right? I go, we had some other verse to it, I think, you know. So the chorus was the first thing that you had. Yeah, um, you, you recorded and you just kept listening yeah. to that over and over. And they say... Some of the best magic happens in five minutes. Some people can write the best songs in five five minutes overnight sort of thing. But four years, so that must mean that you've known that whole time that this one was worth chasing yeah. and uh, getting it right. Yeah, I really loved the chorus. I thought it was a hit chorus. You know, I didn't spend a whole lot of time in between and I was goofing off doing other stuff, you know. And from there we spoke to Big Thomas from Weddings, Parties, Anything. And one of the good things about this podcast or one of the things that a lot of people have brought up is sort of like those people who have been able to overcome criticism. And uh, Mick Thomas was the first one to do that. He told the story about when his band, who ends up winning in Aria in 1993, uh, in the early days, in the 80s, when they used to struggle to even get anyone at a shot. I'd never been in a band that had drawn a crowd. And like I say, when, when you're in your late teens, early 20s, to go through those years of, of doing gigs where you never draw a crowd, yeah, you might get a few friends, a dozen people here, a dozen people there, and, you, and you're sort of hoping that that's okay, that, that that's enough for the promoter, that's enough that you're going to get another gig. I can still remember when the, when the weddings first had a residency, 
when Wally joined the band, and that's when it seemed to take off um, in, say, 84. And, you know, going from, you know, 20 people one week, and then the next next week there'd be 35 people. The next week there were 60 people. Yeah, and just, you know, that, those times when we first cracked it for 100 people were, were just really amazing, amazing things. Then, then we sort of seemed to grind away for a while, and so then all of a sudden... We had a record out, and you know we were getting threes and four hundred. Like we'd all been through bands, all of us that had just not drawn people. And and once you're sort of drawing some sort of crowd, then it just gives you so much more freedom and license to you know to do to do things. It's a pretty tough crowd when there's no crowd, but it's also pretty bad when no one believes in you. And it's pretty easy to give up when no one believes in you. But there's a good reason why you should continue to believe in yourself and continue on. Steve Kilby from The Church talks about the early days when no one believed in him. Were the people around you saying the same thing? Were they saying, Steve, you're going to make it? Your songs are great? No, no, they were not. They absolutely were not. And that was good for me. Eventually my little brother, when he got to about 16, he and I used to play him my tapes I was making. He was He believed in me, but nobody else. Nobody else, the girls I went out with, other musicians I played with in Canberra, none of them, my music teacher, my piano teacher, anybody you could have spoken to would have said, no, he's not going anywhere. It was also the year of exclusives on the podcast. Not only was it the first year of the pod, but we also had a few artists on who spilled the beans on their future. Here's Darren from Kiss Chasey. You know, I, I think it's okay to say that um, on this podcast, that there are talks of more Kiss Chasey shows. Hey, the exclusive. Um, and we got the exclusive. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that is the first time I've said that out loud. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. So, um, so that's something that that's very much on the cards, and and, and that's something we're actually looking at next year. So, you know, a, I'm, I'm excited about that, and I'm also excited about the opportunity that it gives me to 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 come back to my what is my home, which is Australia. Yeah. And he did. He came home to Australia to play the Good Things Festival, the biggest rock festival of the year in Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne. Also on that bill was Emmy from Red Hawk, and she joined the podcast to talk about what life is like when you quit your full-time job to pursue the dream. Yeah, I had to make the decision earlier this year to kind of like to kind of just pursue music full-time just because we had just so much touring and it just became um, impossible to, to maintain to maintain a full time um, full time job at the same time. So yeah, took the took the leap. So far, so good. <laughs> and we had Dave Faulkner from the Hoodoo Gurus on, which is such a pleasure because he's such a prolific songwriter. And we spoke about their new album that came out this year, Chariot of the Gods. In particular, song number two, World of Pain. Uh, now, there's a lot of talk of being punched in the face. There's a lot of talk of wrecking things in that song. So I asked him all about it. Basically, I, w- I was in this nightclub. It was the wee small hours, pretty much daylight or just before daylight. And so I'd had a couple. And um, I was just being overly friendly to some people that were walking in, the guy and his girlfriend. And, uh, you know, I wasn't particularly making a move on the girlfriend or anything, but the guy thought I was. And just, you know, some angry. I mean, who knows? He was on something himself. But he just basically just rounded out and smashed me, in the, you know, punched me in the face. 
I mean, I was being silly, but it wasn't exactly, you know, it wasn't a threat. And it being socked in the face isn't big enough inspiration for a song. There was another moment that made it into the tune as well when he met up with his friends who don't believe in climate change. We had a Christmas lunch a couple of years ago and it was after the huge bushfires that happened in New South Wales and Sydney. And uh, I, I'd had a Christmas pre-Christmas lunch with some friends of mine and some of them are uh, climate change denialists. Mm. I'd had a few and I was at a pub afterwards, in fact, so I'd had all the red wine and the beers and, the you know, all the, the food and we were kicking on. It was now about five or six o'clock. So, you know, again, the wrong, <laughs> I should have been home in bed or, you know, somewhere, you know, having coffee and calming down. But uh, instead I was still going and... Uh, one, I just asked one of them, you know, so now do you believe in climate change? And they said no. And here we are with this, you know, the evidence, you know, breathing in our lungs, choking on, on the fumes from all this you know, incredible hot spell we've had from the La Nina and, and uh, you know, the drying out of all the uh, undergrowth that had caused this incredible bushfires. I'm not a violent person, but I was just kind of very angry and I didn't know how to express it. So I ended up picking up a chair and sort of throwing it on the ground and, Pick up another one like stool is bar stools and basically just kind of like you know acting out. We also had a few of my really close friends on this podcast this year, none more than Kevin Bull. If it wasn't for Kevin Bull, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing being a journo, blabbing on on a podcast, and uh, having a whole heap of fun talking about music. I'm walking to the shops about 18. As I'm about to walk through the glass doors, I get this Sean, hey. And I look over and it's you. I was doing some riding for, might have been the brag, but I was doing a Central Coast, Newcastle columns and things, and I knew that your band was breaking up. That's right. And that's why I called out to you. And that day, you've come, you, you, after shouting out my name, I've looked over and I said, oh, who is this? <laughs> and then you spoke to me about this writing and writing an article about the band, and I, I thought, wow, he's going to do this about the band. And then I thought, how do I do something like yeah. that? That question gets asked quite often to say to me whether it's with photography or writing or getting involved in this side, that side of things. As you found out, there's no real trick to it. You just got to ask. Things will open up and the opportunity can be there if you're passionate to want to do it. We had Israel Cannon on the show. He spoke about what it's like to try and juggle music, family, being a dad, all that sort of stuff, and why he's not so keen on hitting the road anymore. You become a dad and, and you're kind of like, do I want to be on the road, like living out of a suitcase and, you know, or do I want to, I kind of don't, like I, I like my life, I like being at home of a weekend with my family and, you know, putting on Disney movies and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's fun. It was also wild having Sly Withers on the show. I was really excited about that. We had them on the week their new album Overgrain came out. I believe Overgrain is the album of the year, especially in the rock genre, uh, especially in the Australian circles. Uh, it is such a, a wicked record, but we spoke to the band, of course, a little bit about the album, but we also wanted to get the goss on all the strange things they've signed. Um, I was going through my phone camera roll the other day and I found a photo of John O'Sh signing some kid's shoe in Hobart one time. That's just crazy. You signed a kid's shoe, Jono. You yeah, ruined his footwear. Signed a kid's forehead in Hobart. The forehead? Yeah. yeah. 
And then he came. Then he came to one of the shows recently or something. A couple of years later, is that a thing that happened? Yeah, he said he like went yeah. to school the next day and he was like, "Check it out, boys." <laughs> Of course, the podcast is not just about musicians who hit the stage, but it's also about those behind the stage, and in particular, producers. And the first producer that we had on the show was Tim Carr this year, who produced Jay-Z and Matt Corby. The latter, he recorded a top 10 hit with in the form of Brother. You spent some time working with Matt Corby. I mean, you released a hit with Matt Corby. Yeah, we did. We made a hit. That was cool. That was a, I mean, he probably saw it coming. I didn't. I was just there for the ride, just a yeah. bit of fun. But so he's finished up the show. He was on a on a singing show, and then yeah. he's jumped in the studio to sort of recreate himself. I suppose. I think he. Yeah. I think he didn't want to be the the show guy, the guy that came off a TV show. And um, he's come to you with with some awesome songs in this EP. It was an EP, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I mean, like, he obviously had more than an EP worth of songs, but there was a collection of songs that they collectively, like him and his team, were pretty settled on. And that was kind of, you know, do we want to weed those down to less? But I think they I think they all ended up the ones that everyone picked. But he's, I mean, you, you know, he's a mega talented dude. He can re, rebirth his, you know sound whenever he wants he kind of has for every record which is pretty cool 2022 was the year of gigging it was the year of touring the pandemic well and truly behind us so it was about time that we got someone on to talk about some old war stories from the road who better than peter clark from angela's dish when he went on tour with the delta rigs we do a lot of tours with those boys um <laughs> lots of fun we were out one night we we're out at this pub in loxton and everyone's got a bit rowdy and turns into you know, a water fight in the hotel lobby using the fire extinguishers. Just um, <laughs> <laughs> hitting each other's faces. And um, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of war stories from the road. And as you know, there's always two sides to every story. So we got Monty from the Dr. Riggs on to say his side. They did that. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, or are I you just putting it back yeah. on them? No, 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 no. They definitely did that. I remember it. It was like at this place called Loxton. It was. It wasn't the Delta Rigs. It was before the Delta Rigs. It was really. Yeah, it wasn't the Delta Rigs. It was another. It was like this pop punk band that we played in, and yeah, we toured with those guys, and we we're in some place in South Australia. And I remember walking out, and I think it was Pete had this like one of those fire extinguishers on our guitar player at the time, and he was covered in smoke like that. Uh... So, fuck <laughs> you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favourite things about the podcast has been having songwriters on, quizzing them about why they wrote this lyric, why they wrote this song, where the words fit. We had Blake Tiris on earlier this year, and he has a song called Days, Weeks, Months and Years, and there's one part in that song in one of the verses that really caught my attention, where they start talking about bags, cocaine for the people out there, and how anyone who takes illegal drugs starts to talk about new business ventures. I, I just love that line because uh, when uh, when you're around people and they're uh, they're carrying on and they're not just drinking, um, they are talking business plans. They're talking about a whole bunch of stuff in the for conversation. Some, for some weird reason, it's always the best time. People just like, yeah, we should yeah. start a band. We should do this. Yeah. This is a great idea for T-shirts. Let's, let's do that. Let's make a bike shop. It's like, what? <laughs> why, why a bike shop? I know nothing about bikes. We also had Andy Bull on the show who is a pop sensation. He released a new record this year as well. But we spoke about criticism 
And uh, the first lot of criticism that he ever got when he uh, played a few songs with his friend back in school. Do you oh remember boy. that moment where, where you started singing and someone's going, oh, wow, you've got something? I mean, I don't know if I remember the first moment, but I definitely remember a funny moment. I was jamming with a guy at school and we made a cassette recording. We are playing like a Pink Floyd song or something like this. And he was a boarder and he came back after Christmas holidays. He goes, yeah, I played the tape to my mum. She said you've got the worst voice she's ever heard. <laughs> I went, oh, cool, because you not have kept that to yourself? Like, that's fine. <laughs> you know how the saying goes, never meet your idols because you'll be upset. Well, I haven't done that just yet. But it has happened for my good friend, Bob Trigg. The minute that they landed to the minute that they left, everything went wrong. And then without trying to sound like a nasty person, they weren't nice people. What was the first sort of interaction? The first sort of interaction was when they got off the plane at Brisbane Airport and they'd just flown in from, I was going to say England, but I can't remember where. And I came up and I went, hey, I think his name was Pete. This is going to sound really awful, whoever is a big Buzzcocks fan, and I was, but I've kind of tried to repress the memory now. But I got his name wrong, and I called him the wrong name. One of them was called Steve, one was called Pete, and mm. Pete's died now. So I kind of feel bad talking about it. But anyway, how I said, hey, Pete, I'm Bob. And he goes, I'm Steve. Uh. And I was just like, okay, sorry, man, my bad. Anyway, and it probably was my bad because they don't really look too similar, but fuck, I don't know, they're pretty old. <laughs> well, they were when I toured with them. And uh, and from then on, it was just like downhill. Everything that could go wrong that was out of my hands went wrong. Like hire cars weren't there, hotel rooms weren't there, or if they were there, they were flooded. It was just like crazy shit. Um, like someone broke into the band room at one of the gigs and drank all this really expensive booze that we had to provide. It was just really bad and then they were sort of, I don't really want to say too much about it, but it was just not fun and by the end of it I was a bit um, bit tired and emotional, I guess. Jason Singh from Taxi Ride jumped on the podcast. We had a nice discussion about his blue piano and the songs and the shows that are coming up in the new year. But, of course, attention turned to Taxi Ride, which is the band that he was in, that have decided to continue without him. How do we describe the last year? There's obviously taxi rides in the news. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've answered plenty of questions about it. But <laughs> you know what? I haven't. I haven't really. I, I haven't really needed to. I don't think. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, the band's continuing. You're not in it. That's the gist of it. Yeah. How, where is the situation? There is it much of a situation. Are you happy to just head off this way and they're going that way? What's What's the deal? No, no I wasn't happy to to head off this way. I'm I'm happy for them to go out and play the songs that we all created as Taxi Ride, mm. but. Don't call yourself Taxi Ride. I mean, I don't. I say it's Jason Singh from Taxi Ride. And you always have. And that's, I always have. A couple of times it's been misconstrued. People call me Taxi Ride on the street or whatever. And um, it's just, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to talk about. It's, um, it's been done in a, in a terrible way and it's not over yet, which is a bit of a shame. Do you see it getting resolved eventually? You... Oh, look, I see it getting resolved, yeah. You know whether that means happy families again. I don't think so. Mm. Not after, not after the treatment and and yeah, just the way it's the way it was done. It was like so stupid. We had some people on the show who brought up the big C and having to play gigs with COVID without even knowing that they had it. 
Khaled Yassin from Wild Rivers. We had a show in Birmingham, Alabama, and I later found out that I had had COVID, but I did not know this at the time. I felt awful all day. Like in Soundcheck, the band says they remember me just like hanging over the piano, completely drained, exhausted. And I was sleeping minutes before the show, truly like in the green room, asleep. <laughs> and then our tour manager comes in and is like, okay, five minutes. I give it two more minutes. I roll up. I put in our little in-ear monitors and walk on stage. And it's a roaring crowd. And you flip like that. And adrenaline kicks in. And you're like, oh, it was an amazing show. We had a fantastic time. You only have to be on for about 75 minutes. And it's it's easy to do when you got a crowd of people that, that have your back and you get to play music. It wasn't just him who had to play on with COVID. Bryce Saney also spoke about a festival he was at where everyone became unwell. So we did that show and all of us had COVID at the time but didn't know. Uh, <laughs> so that was awesome. Um, oh, shit. None of you were sick. Like, Oh, it was like... <laughs> right. And everyone was just like, that festival, I don't know a single soul that didn't walk away having COVID. And that was the first time I got it. And then I was I was wrecked. Like, it, it hurt yeah. me hard. Another conversation that I really enjoyed was with Josh Cottrell, the lead singer of Fangs, who we created the band with, Sam and the boys. And he spoke about what it was like coming all the way from Canada to Australia and what he heard in the trees that had everyone laughing. So when I got here and I heard the kookaburras in the trees, I was like, they have monkeys here? What? Well, so you thought the kookaburras were, were monkeys? Or is it? Yeah, I'm not even joking. I'm, honestly. <laughs> so and, and then some, some like, um, there's a truck driver or some, and he was like, he's like, mate, it's a bird. And I was just, <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> so funny. 10 out of 10 for the Aussie accent there, Josh. And we also had Cav Templey on the show. He's for obviously the singer of Eskimo Joe. He plays the bass as well. And I quizzed him on what it's like to play at the AFL Grand Final in front of 60,000 screaming fans and how weird that is. Is it shit scary playing in front of 6,000 people in about 4 million at home? Yes, yes. You're, I, think, I think the term your sphincter is going like a rabbit's nose. <laughs> and I think all that was going through my, my mind leading up to that grand final performance was like, A, don't fuck it up. Um, <laughs> and B, just like actually enjoy it. Enjoy the moment because, you know, with all the stuff that had been going on up and, you know, this time last year, I was just like, you know, we might never get to do this again. This might be the last time this ever happens. And that's it, a wrap on season 2022 for the Street Press Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being there. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure bringing you artists from all around Australia, actually from around the world, and bringing them on here to have a chat. Uh, don't forget, you can contact the podcast if you'd like. Hit up the streetpresspodcast.com, just like Lachlan Thompson. So he has said to me, can you try and get a pod with Kieran J. Callanan? I love his work and your level of knowledge would make for a great podcast. Thank you, Lachlan. I will hit up Kieran. He is a uh, he's a phenomenal talent. He's uh, he's right out there. So hopefully, I can get him in the first few weeks of 2023. I've already got a few locked in. If there's anyone that you want to hear on the podcast on the Street Press, hit up the streetpresspodcast.com forward slash request. I hope you and your family had a great Christmas. 
It's New Year's in a few days' time. I hope all your dreams come true. 2023, here's cheers to that. I'll catch you in the new year. Ta-da.